All right, welcome backstage with Spike. This is episode 39. Uh, I'm here with David HK. What's up, everybody? And I'm here with Alpha from House Made of Dawn. And together, these guys are Grim Crow. Guys, what's happening? Hey, how's it going, Spike? And, How you doing, Spike? Yeah, and you guys need to introduce yourselves to one another because from, from what I understand, you guys have never spoken on the phone before, have you? Or in person? No, this, no, this is the first time. First time. First time for everything. Hello, David. Yeah. Hey, how you doing, Alpha? <laughs> Alpha, this is David. David, this is Alpha. Yeah, thank you. And thank I'd be remiss that. if I didn't mention uh, um, the lovely Bliss is not here with us tonight, correct, Alpha? That is correct. She's got some other stuff going on right now. All right, that's cool. I get it. Um, so... Your your band is House Made of Dawn, and David, we know, has many, many, many projects going. Um, how did you guys, like, wind up getting connected together? Like, how did you guys figure out to put this together? Well, I knew Bliss for a, a long time, uh, maybe for the past couple of years through, uh, you know, through the different, uh, through different um, DM groups and uh, in music promotion, because I was really... I, I approached her when I heard House Made of Dawn. I was like, wow, I really like this band. And um, I introduced her to the Indie Underworld, and um, she's been a part of that. And uh, and I'm glad to see, you know, them them uh, putting out uh, new stuff. But long story short, uh, you know, I kept in touch with her. Um, one, I've been wanting to do an industrial project for a long time because I I I was really I really get inspired by a lot of a lot of those bands and. I also love that song "Kings Without Frontiers" from Peter Gabriel. Okay. And I didn't want to make a run-of-the-mill heavy metal version of that. I'd say it would be really cool to put some like industrial beats and samples behind it. So what I did is um, I cut and pasted. I did a, you know, I I put I laid down some tracks on, on um, on my tune track, and I threw down some stems. I threw down some samples, and I flew the idea to her and she was all in and she showed it to alpha and he was all in and the rest is history. And we released that. And usually uh, what, what really pleasantly surprised me about this project was that usually when I do collabs, they're usually just one and done or they're just every once in a while. Right. But after this release, he, he, uh, alpha came to me, Hey, I got something else. So <laughs> it's been rolling. So that's, I, I'm really glad that, you know, yeah, you know, Games Without Frontiers came together pretty quickly, actually. Um, it, it was in, I think, February sometime. And uh, he he reached out to, to Bliss about this possible collaboration. I took a listen to it. And it turns out it, Bliss is a huge, huge, huge Peter Gabriel fan. Okay. You know, one of her absolute one of her absolute favorites. Um, and Games Without Frontiers has been my favorite Peter Gabriel song since forever. It was uh, it was a really big thing in Chicago when I was growing up. Okay. Uh, on local radio, so doing it was kind of a no brainer. And I always like collaborating, uh, in you know bouncing off people and uh, you know finding out where the sound can go. Uh, and so once once we did this and it turned out so well. It was like, oh God, we got to do another one. So a couple of weeks went by. And I reached out to David. and said, "So what are we going to do next for Grim Crow?" And he was like, "Okay, I've got all these ideas." So, <laughs> so very cool. Yeah. So let me ask you a question, yeah. Alpha. So like, uh, like, what instruments do you play? Are you more on the production side, or you know, do you play instruments yourself? Or like, what do you and Bliss do? One of the well, the dynamic with Housemate of Dawn is uh, I am I am the instrumentalist and pr- producer. Okay. Primarily, Bliss brings uh, production 
to it. She does some producing as well. Uh, she sings. She does a lot of uh, the background vocals uh, on it. And uh, she's also kind of in, in charge of the House Made of Dawn aesthetic. You know, when you see the look mm -hmm. of the of the project and kind of where things go visually and kind of in its attitude come from her, come from her. She's kind of like an, she's kind of like the, she's kind of like the brains. Okay. So quick question. Then, I'm sorry. Go ahead. There is uh there is another member. Her name is Danny. Uh, she is a singer. And uh, most of the time when you hear that big brassy female voice in our stuff, that's usually Danny. Um, or the laugh. Um, yeah, or the or the cackles. My yeah. qu my question to you though, Alpha, is like, um, so you're um the other Danny and uh, Bliss are they in California with you? Like, do they physically come over to like your studio, or are you doing like um you know are you doing a correspondence with them like you're doing with David? Oh no, they, uh, Bliss Bliss and I are our husband and wife. Okay, cool. Okay, oh, yeah. She and I she and I are married. Danny is a friend, and she is she is actually a professional singer kind of gun for hire and uh she is currently touring the states and the world with the postmodern jukebox uh project and uh and because of that was unavailable for the all hollows record she only appears on it in samples unfortunately um but uh she is still very much a part of house made of dawn okay cool no i was just wondering because i was i mean you know um, so many, you know, bands and even like their members of their bands, they're all doing it's like a, like a correspondence, you know, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I've mentioned it before on other shows. It's like Camilla bands, an actual band, you know, in uh, you know, in Sweden, and you know, they play. They're all together. But when they had other members in other countries, they would actually rehearse like via Skype and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. It's a it's a really interesting time that we're living in that uh, that that kind of thing is possible. And to answer your initial question, yeah, I am I am the band's guitarist. I, my 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 musical training is as a blues guitarist, and uh, I I do all the synth and stuff as well. But I'm primarily the guitarist and male voice in the thing. Well, I I mean, David, I I love David, and I have a, a collaboration coming out, and it's like. He was oh, one yeah. of the most easiest people for me to work with. It's like really? I asked him oh, to do something. I thought he I was did totally it. busting your balls. You busting my I balls. I felt so bad. I was like, I, 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 don't, I was so like, <laughs> I, I, I say I had the same kind of thing with Alpha. It's like when it comes to when it comes to vocal effects, I'm like pickier on that than anything else. No, I so, asked your opinion. Like, that wasn't pick. But you know what I'm saying? I asked you what you thought, and you didn't like something, and we changed it. That's cool. I just you just got me scared when it's almost ready to like put it out and you're like I think I want to redo my vocals. I'm like, dude, no, you got 18 vocal tracks. Yeah, I spent 26 hours fucking working on it. You want to change them? You crazy? No, that yeah, was I, like no. Oh, I do that all the time, especially when I'm doing my guitar solos. Right. You know, it's like I I've been playing the guitar since I was 10, and it's like suddenly you start you start playing in a solo, you forget how to play. Yeah. Oh, you start you know, overthinking like, this shit. Oh, to I, me. That I, drives I, me nuts. That is definitely me. Yeah, I know that's yeah. you, David. I was like, you know what? I'm not doing that. No, 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 no. You know, but if if we're not going to be our if we're not going to be our own worst critics, right? You know, we're just going to run into horrible critics. But later, there's a so. point though of like when you overthink it. Now you're a dog chasing his tail. You know what I'm saying? You're going nowhere. You're spinning around. You got this thing now sitting on your desk here for months on end, dude. Mm -hmm. Make a decision. And if the song if it's not that great, you write another one next week anyway. You put it out and. 
I don't mind if we're still working on it. You, want, you know what? I want to try my solo one more time. That's cool. What I don't like is the song is out and done. And now you're like, I think we should pull it down and redo. No, 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 no. I'm not <laughs> I only that. Do that no. with, I only do that with my own tracks. I wouldn't do that with anyone else. No, I can't. there's yeah, so I many of my that. songs, dude, I would love to redo. But I'm like, you know what? Screw that. Move on. I, I, am, I, I am redoing them, actually. Because I, I, I did that the first time. When the I first remember, time yeah. I put those... First time I put those tracks out, I think it was before I did the reanimated album. I was, I had, I, when I first started getting back into playing music again, I, I had no, I really didn't have any intention to, you know, to, to put my stuff on Spotify stream. I just wanted to, uh, I got myself a green screen. I just wanted to be one of those guys that records covers on YouTube. Right. And then I, when I learned about um, Spotify, I learned that, wow, you can make money doing covers. Yeah, so, uh, I uploaded my stuff on Spotify. But After you pay twelve dollars a year, you could make yourself fourteen cents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some of them did pretty good though. But it, uh, the, I just got, I just got hold of a dog. And I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, like the levels, levels were shooting in the red. You know, you're getting like feedback. It was, it was mm -hmm. terrible, and it was all distorted, clipped. And so when I got a little bit more knowledge, I re-released it. Uh, uh, the reanimated album, which was like a, a collection of those songs, and then I pulled that. Then I pulled that off because it was uh, poorly promoted. So I'm kind of building them back up very slowly, uh, one by one. Right. I do notice, though, um, like some people have that attitude of like, you know, we want to put out an album. It's an album. I find putting out singles is definitely better, like with Spotify, because it keeps you in the loop. It keeps you in the algorithms every three weeks to a month, you know, drop out a new single. And then what I do is after I got like seven or eight singles, I then put them out as a, you know, an album as a collection. And it's yet another event. But yet I, I keep the same um, UPC codes going so you don't lose your streams, you know. But But to me, because if you put out a song, you know, you're out there. Three weeks later, you know, it's forgotten about. You put out another one. If you put out an album, even though it's got eight songs on it, to me, that's still one event. After three weeks, nobody gives a shit about your album no more. Yeah, I, I think, think more like there's something to that. Yeah, I'd yeah. rather just keep putting out a single, single, and always be, like, in in, in your face, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Well, that, yeah, an album is a good idea, too, because uh, if you have something that's, like, a that's a complete work, that because... Um, just, with House Made of Dawn, the old Hallows album is uh, I, how, what, 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 amalgamated something that's that works great as a whole, right? Because you're presenting it, you're you're presenting it as an entire package, not mm -hmm. just a song by right. song. I mean, if you got a big following, again, like you know, if Metallica puts out a new album, you know, it's going to sell millions of copies. But to me, I don't have that. You know, what I'm saying, like, you're going to go, yeah, it's great. I like songs one and five, and then it's all forgotten about. Yeah. That's yeah, but some, like in my position, what I would do, I, I'm actually going to stick with singles for now until maybe if I get a, if I get a collection of singles, I may remaster them to put them into an album and just present that as an album. But what you could do with Spotify now is you, I think you cast, I think they cascade release them. Like they put out one a week. So, but even then it's like, that's a, that's a little too often. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think once a week is too often. Also, again, it's a flash in the pan and then you've forgotten about yeah. yeah well i mean I, I guess that goes along with uh our our collective uh lack of attention span as well yeah the thing about the thing about the all hollows record though i mean you know it was it, we had put out some singles 
in the intervening years, our last record was uh, Realm that came out in 2017, I think it was. Okay. And we released a single kind of a year after that. And this was before we we were really deep into the out. Well, let's. I'm gonna just let's be real here. This was before Bliss really was into the algorithms because she's the one that pays attention to that whole thing. She's the one that really works that stuff. And uh, by the time we, well, that's why we got along so good. <laughs> Yeah. By the time we realized that, you know, there's this kind of six to eight week, you know, window is what is seems to be what works. We were already deep into the production of this album. So we were we did release, you know, singles here and there. And uh, and now uh, we don't really have any plans for another album. You know, our next the next release we're going to have is going to be in December. Um, so we're kind of coming around to that mm -hmm. whole thing as well. But, you know, I, David's right though when he when he says that the the All Hollows record was really conceived kind of as a as an entire well, I get, yeah it's a piece of work I get to that needs to go together you know? I got you you know yeah. like like Tommy you know what I'm saying but a who well, you know not, what I'm saying it's not quite that high concept <laughs> but, right uh, it's just got a, it's got kind of like a running thread all the way through I got it. you and, yeah uh, no that yeah. makes sense when you talk when you say it like that but when I'm just putting out random songs you know. That really have nothing to do with one another. There's no reason for me to put it all together. Because like I said, I could have 12 songs on it, but it's one event. Mm -hmm. I hear you. Yeah, I hear but you. Like what you're saying, I, I get it, you know. Mm -hmm. All right. So before we get uh, too far gone here, you guys have a new song coming out, correct? Called what? Sporified? Sporified, yeah. Cool. Anybody want to tell me what that is about? You know, it's, it's funny how it came about. Like, uh, I, I remember I was... Uh, I was out in the supermarket, you know, with my wife and my son, and um, you know, I received uh, I received a message from them about uh, about putting. I, I guess it was about putting out a new release. Um, so uh, I think I tried to spell Spotify, and I hit the R instead of the T. And it was Sporified. I'm like, Sporified. Oh, that's a good idea for a song. And then he told me about uh, a book, uh, you know, an indie horror novel from uh, John Skip called Sport. And so I, so we figured we could write something about that. I'm like, great, you know, I'll read the book and get some, uh, and get some lyrical material. So, although well, the, all the lyrics are based upon uh, the story about uh, the story in that novel, and it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, and it was a lot of fun. This, this, this particular song was a lot of fun to put together. So, when is this actually going to be released? Uh, the, the official release date is the 22nd. Of what October? Of October, yeah. That's going to be in a little less than two weeks. It's and it's kind of cutting it close, but we kind of try to we're trying to stay within that uh, six week uh, release cycle, right? Because I noticed that at least with my own stuff, if it goes a little further beyond that, uh, it's, it's, if you're watching like the stats window, you're kind of seeing it drop. That's when you want to start picking it up. But if you let it fall all the way down, you got to like start all over. Right, again. right, right. Yeah, so, I noticed that. You know, you get like a run, and then it falls off a little bit. That's release radar push. You want to ride that release radar push. Yeah. And it, it kind of fades out at the end of the month, and that's when you want to start pushing it again. Okay. This song is is very much, I consider, a sequel to uh, Zombie Nation. Okay. Which which, was, that's which the was other one I want to talk about. Go ahead. Not just, um, not just kind of conceptually, because the song is about, the, the book and the song is about uh, uh, a new drug in L.A. that's made from these... Uh, you know, mushroom spores that are actually part of a collective mind. And it turns the, turns the people who take it into, into thralls of this zombie mind with this kind of unified mind. Um, so conceptually it is very much a, uh, 
sequel to zombie nation and when we realized that that's where it was going to go um once the idea for like the music hit me i went ahead and just used the same session the same setup that we did for zombie nation okay a couple new couple news uh you know drum samples in there um but the starting point was very much the same place as zombie nation very cool very cool you know and it's funny like i spoke about this on another show that it's a shame sometimes and that's why like i like to talk to guys like you you know to put this out like a lot of people like you know yeah, I like the beat. It's really cool. And, you know, and that guy screams pretty cool, like in the middle of it. It's like, but they're not really paying attention, like to, you know, what really like us artists, like really put our heart and soul into this and there's deep meaning to it, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's nice to hear this and, and know that now, you know. Yeah. Well, there's a difference between people who listen to music and people who hear music. Right. I mean, because there is some music that, you know, you just want to have in the background, but there's some stuff that you really want to listen into and find out what uh what they're actually doing and what's going on all right so cool i'm gonna play here sporified this is now um so this is now your uh second original correct correct but all right it, yeah all right it is actually yeah 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 i did my homework yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not just popping beers in a pretty face you know well yeah you you, you know better than me <laughs> I was like, wait, is it our third? No, it's our second, because we, we released Lucretia after Grim Crow. Because yeah. Were, yeah. yeah, Lucretia came between um, uh, Games and Zombie Nation. Games, yeah, right, right. Because we, we wanted to have something to release to give people to chew on while we're working on the next original, so we gave them Lucretia. Well, I love the originals, man. you got to pump out more of them. I mean, your remakes are great, but I love the originals. No, there'll be more on the way. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. We're not, we're not going to stop this anytime soon. More covers, too. All right, cool. So here we go. We're going to listen to now uh, Sporified right now by uh, Grim Crow. Check this out.
All right, and that was Sporified. Uh, let me ask you guys a question. So when you record, how do, how do you come up with this? Um, is any one side, you know, the main songwriter, or do you guys, like, here's an idea I got and somebody else, like, you know, builds on it? Well, Alpha mainly writes all the, writes the music parts. Like, he comes up with an idea, he shoots the, the idea over to me. Um, you know, I'll, I'll musically add my two cents in there. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll add what, and whatever I add with the guitars and the, the bass and the vocals. Like, he'll, he'll, he'll give me the, the main structure of what he wrote, and I'll work within that structure. And so far with both songs, you know, I'll, I'll come up with the lyrics. Yeah, I, it's, it's with both of them, it was uh, like Zombie Nation. I just kind of came up with this musical idea, um, did, a, did a rudimentary kind of pass of it, sent it over to David, and then he just kind of took it and, took it and ran with it. The, uh, he, he came up with these really awesome guitar parts um, and, uh, you know, shot it back to me. And then we started going back and forth about lyrics. We came up with the concept. And then David took care of the lyrics and the uh, the vocals, and then then again shot it back to me. I dressed it up with a few more little touches. Um, Bliss and I put some vocals down, and next thing we knew, we had our original. And uh, Zombie, um, I'm sorry, um, Sporified came together pretty much the same way. Beyond, beyond the fact that we already kind of had the idea of the concept of the song before the music came. Um, yeah so so when i was working on on the music you know i and i sent it off to david i we were able to say okay this one is sporified we don't have to figure out what this one is about right so are you just when you when you're like spitballing the ideas back and forth i got are you just sending mp3s back or are you guys sending like stems on everything each time uh we send stems yeah. yeah yeah the first well you know for the first like concepts like when i like for sporified you know, I came up with the, the, the groove and the, the baseline and the, uh, the synth stuff. I shot that over to David, I think, as a wave file. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, actually, that's what I meant with some wave file. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, one, then he starts sending his treatments and wave files. But then once we're ready to get into the mix and get into the nitty gritty, um, I output stems on my end to David. And he does, the, he, does, he does the mixing and mastering on his end. Oh, I, I, and I love that these guys trust me with the mix. Like nobody does. That's huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. They they treat me like I'm some like eight year old with a chemistry set that's gonna blow up the house. <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing, and here's here's part of the importance of what you were talking about before, Spike, about how we have to take seriously what we're doing, not just conceptually but artistically. Right. We already had that dynamic set. He did the mix for games without frontiers and mastered or mastered it over there it kind of means each song should be done that way so that we have a consistency in the grim crow sound yes definitely i think that's a big part yes well yeah actually with the robot guys i would probably more or less trust aaron to do the mixing because we've already established a sound a certain sound with um robot guys and beneath the hate and he has a certain style of mixing that he learned from other engineers. So mm-hmm. right. you, that, and, that will and, keep it consistent. Yeah. And if you listen to house, the house made of Dawn material, the mixing and mastering technique is very different than, than David's. And that makes for a more, I personally like that kind of thing uh, because it makes for a more dynamic artistic life for right. just, you know, me personally. And, you know, um, 
Yeah, and it, it makes it so that, you know, like, for example, when, when KMFDM, one of my favorite bands in the whole wide world, released M- MDMFK, it just, it just sounded like KMFDM. You look, listen to the work they do with Scold, it just sounds like KMFDM. It doesn't sound like they're... It does, actually, yeah. Right, yeah. right. It doesn't really sound like they're expanding themselves musically at all then you got injustice for all it's like where's the bass like what what is this it's, oh my god it sounds that. like scratch tracks almost it's like yeah. what the fuck is going on here you know because you get used yeah, to a was, certain sound you know that album was the greatest demo ever put out yeah right <laughs> yeah. seriously it sounded like a demo right for me it was a big letdown because you know this was after cliff died and we we're we just got this new space player i was all excited to hear him on the new on the new album and I'm, I play it. And I'm like, where the fuck is the bass? That was actually a, that was actually a pissing match. They were they were mad at him because Cliff was gone. But meanwhile, Jason Newstead yeah, he, came from a band called Flotsam and Jetsam. If you're not familiar with them, look it up from the eighties. Yes, Flotsam I, and Jetsam was fucking yeah. incredible. You know, they were great. And they just, you know, they they stuck it to him. But, like, I get annoyed when Laws Ulrich gets, you know, well, you guys have different sounds, so, you know, I'm going to fuck with my drums now. It's like, you know, like, saying anger-like. I mean, there's some really good tunes in it, but the drums, it's like he's playing a steel drum. It's horrendous. Totally yeah, recorded, uh, mixed, totally different. Yeah, Lars always was messing with his drum sound. I mean, always. Yeah. I mean, more, more from, from album to album, it was more subtle. Than than most, but you're right. San Anger was was yeah. pretty blatant. He's he's a yeah. frustrated guitar player, is what it is. He, you know what I'm saying? Uh, guitar players got their boxes and their all their their little uh, you know goodies and their amps, and so I mean drums are drums. You know what I'm saying? You play mm-hmm. your drums, but he wanted to make it you know different and tweaking with it and fucking with it. It's like, dude, just 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 play your drums. I mean, he's a great <laughs> drummer. Don't get me wrong, but just just play your drums. Stop with this fancy funny bullshit. Maybe on his next album he'll get one of those toy kits from Toys R Us, like one of those machine house kits. <laughs> I love. You ever see the? You ever see the videos of like uh, Mike Portnoy playing the Hello Kitty drum set? I have. I haven't seen. I, I've watched him play different drum sets, and I've seen people play toy drum sets. I've never seen him play that one. Dude, look at just go on fucking YouTube and hit up. You know, Mike Portnoy plays Hello Kitty drum set, or Zach Wilde playing the Hello Kitty guitar. Dude, I, yeah, hysterical. the Hello Kitty guitars are great. They're actually really good guitars, believe it or not. <laughs> no, but I'm talking he's playing the Hello Kitty like the folk guitar, And I'm disappointed that I haven't jumped on it when they were just coming out in the stores. Yeah. Now, if it's like, now they're collector's items, and it's like, you know, I'm not going to be a Johnny Come Lately with that, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Those, those are really, those are really good sounding guitars. They sound big. Those are, those are Fender, those are Squires. Yeah, they are. Yep. And it's funny, like, again, uh, you want to speak about that for a second. We'll get off the to- uh, topic a little bit, like, you know, I, me and my son, we both have guitars. We got like, you know, 16 in our collection. And he bought a, um, yeah, he bought the Squire um, Jazzmaster for like 550 bucks. And I think played awesome. So he really liked it. So he decided to buy the Fender Jazzmaster that he paid like $1,200 for. Two weeks after he had mm. it, the bridge fell into the body. Like oh it, my god! What? It was like the, like like the bridge that's up on its set screws like stripped and it fell into the body. Oh and then god. the best part though is like when you look at this is considered quote unquote a common problem. Are you out of your fucking mind? If I'm paying eleven hundred dollars for a guitar, he had he had to go buy the uh, the Jaguar bridge is what people seem to replace it with. So he had to spend like seventy five dollars on a Jaguar bridge, and he was cool with it. My son, I'm like, dude, you're out of your mind. You don't understand. You pay eleven or twelve hundred dollars for an instrument. You shouldn't have to be doing this. No, that's that's 
No, that's bullcrap. It's subpar. I mean, it's bullshit. I mean, I was like, dude, you got, he's like, I'm cool. I'm like, you know what? You're cool with a fine, but I think that's insane. That was the Squire, you said? No, no. The Squire was the one that kicked ass. The $1,200 Fender. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's um, what that yeah, was like. That's disappointing. Yeah, that's really is. And again, like he was looking it up online and it seemed like there was a whole form of this stuff. Like this is a very common problem. Everybody's like, oh, just do yourself a favor and get yourself, you know, um, a Jaguar bridge for 75 bucks. Like, what are you insane? This is crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. That's there are cool. so many good guitars now that are that are low that are on the lower end. of. Oh, uh, yeah. For 500 bucks. I mean, I got an Epiphone Les Paul. I love it. It's five hundred and twenty dollars. It kicks ass. You can get an LTD. You can get a Schecter. Yeah. Um, there, there's so many great guitars out there now. I think with um, a lot of people might disagree with me, but I think when you're buying a Fender or a Gibson, you're pay, you're paying for the name more than you're paying for yeah, the guitar. Yeah, I'm done with that. When I was younger, you know, Gibson, you know, was what you dreamed if, if about. If is listening, was- sorry, but I know he's a he's a Gibson man, but I, I really do feel that way about you know, you know I, name I, brand I, guitars. I'm a I'm a Gibson guy myself. I I but. The difference is I'm still playing the guitar, the Gibson guitar I got as a birthday present when I was 12. Yeah. And it's still nice. it's still the only guitar I use. It's an SG. It's a VSG. It's brown, solid oak. It's beautiful. It's, 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 I don't ever want to play another guitar. I mean, I do want. To- when you buy like a thousand dollar guitar and you know, you know, and when you get it, the intonation's off, that's just sonic. That's bullshit. Yeah. It's yeah, not even set up right. Um, yeah. I the most I'll spend is around a thousand dollars. I mean, my I got the um the LTD snake bite in the flat black. Man, I it was eleven hundred dollars that came with the case, and that guitar is totally insane. I love it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah the But I'm not gonna play, pay twenty eight hundred dollars for a Les Paul. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, the Ibanez I play is a nine hundred dollar guitar, but it's it's and it, you know, to tell you the truth. I didn't quite like it when I first started playing it, but you really need to break it in. Once once yeah. you really uh, been playing it for a while, it just keeps sounding better. I got an Epiphone SG and an Epiphone Les Paul that both were like five hundred bucks, and I love them; they're incredible. And I'm not ashamed yeah. to take it out and go on stage with it, or or take pictures with it. You know, it's you know, I'm saying I've had Gibsons; it's cool, and I'm not I'm not shitting on Gibson. Gibson's cool, but Again, somebody's like Les Pauls now. They want like twenty four hundred dollars for them, whatever. I'm just, I'm not paying that. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's a bit much for a subtle difference in sound. Yeah. And it don't even come with a case. It's like give me a freaking break, really? Now I got to go for another hundred dollars for a case. Yeah, that's no, nah, that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I think didn't Ed send a picture of um, a Gibson that they shipped in a box without a case, without anything protecting it? Oh my god! No popcorn, no anything, dude. That's a Gibson. I don't know if it was you, uh, Spike, or it was Meds that sent that picture. No, it must have been Meds. But, but and I've seen videos on how those uh, those delivery men handle packages. They'll just like throw it onto the porch. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, dude, they kick that shit up to your freaking front door. <laughs> I can't even imagine it. I can't even imagine that. And then meanwhile, it's like I ordered like like <laughs> I ordered a scrub brush for my fish tank, you know, from like Amazon. So it's a brush, you know. On on a, on a on a stick, it's like you know, eighteen inches long. They put it in bubble wrap, and then they put those uh, air pillows, and it came in a box that you thought like I ordered like a freaking uh, a refrigerator. I'm like, what the hell is this? That was my yeah. item. And yeah, they, but then you order a Gibson, they even open. Yeah, they ordered yeah. a Gibson. It's got like you know, it's like comes in a Manila envelope. You know, it's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> what the fuck, man? 
I was thinking they might not even they might as well not even put it in there. Just throw the guitar straight into the truck. Yeah, just put it in the <laughs> truck as is. My my son ordered. We I mean we got a replacement, but we have a, a Dean ML. Nice. And um, we got the dime bucket pickups. We got that extra and put that in all that shit. Um, but the first guitar when it came, um, it wasn't double boxed, and it was a huge like punch hole in the side of it. Well, we opened that up and all the lacquer on the back of the neck for like maybe from from the nut like down to like the fifth fret on the back side, the lacquer was all like off and like broken glass oh. in the box. Oh. So I said to myself, yeah, it is happening you- shipping or a place he bought it from was like, you know what, fuck it, send it out and we'll get the insurance money for it. Oh man. But he was heartbroken. And again, you know, six weeks later, he he got a replacement. Yeah, what I'll usually do is I'll, unless if, if it's unless it's from like a private seller, right? Um, if let's just say I wanted something from Guitar Center or you know Sam Ash, what I'll do is I'll I'll order it, um, I'll order online and have them ship it to the store rather than to my house. Right. Yeah, and so hopefully it'll get in better condition over there. Right, right, um, right. And this way too. I mean, but when you do that, you still pay for it up front, correct? Yeah, 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 you pay for it online, and they you just have them ship it over there, and you pick it up over there. Right. Because I don't know, I, I don't even trust like my neighbors. I, I'm afraid that if they'll they'll see oh a guitar and they'll run away with it. Because I heard <laughs> about some people stealing packages over here. Yeah. And honestly, I I can't imagine buying a guitar without playing it first. See, I used to be like that. Go ahead. Yeah, I haven't been. I haven't bought a new guitar in 18 years. Last last new guitar I got was uh, um, my acoustic, my 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 awesome awesome acoustic guitar right and i you know i I went to the store i we went to guitar center and i sat there and had played guitars and uh, you know just trying them out bliss and i were just sitting there trying out new guitars so i was a huge believer in that and i must have bought 20 guitars in the stores you know i'm playing them um but again the only place i got for me is an hour and a half from here guitar center and they don't have shit they got like there's no like, you know, selection. It's like three of these, two of those, and four of those, and that's it. Yeah, they cut down a lot. I guess yeah. maybe because they haven't been selling a lot. And then when you go in there too, online. it's like it's like I'm 57 years old. I could buy 20 of these guitars if I want, but they treat you mm-hmm. like, well, are you gonna buy it? You know, yeah. it's like, dude, just get the fucking guitar down for me, okay? And let me check it out. You know, it's like, what the yeah. hell's going on here? It's like I gotta answer 20 questions just to play a guitar. Yeah, the, uh, the that's the thing that I think most more than anything killed the killed uh, guitar stores, music stores, is the just the the bitter attitude of the the people working there. You know, the frustrated musicians that all work there. And to me, the one that I tried is the one I want to buy. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I got one in the back in the box. I'm like, no, 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 I don't want that. This one, you guys, you set this up. It's all good intonation. I want this one. Mm-hmm. Now, if the guitars. If these guitar stores want to sell more guitars, the first thing they need to do is remove those stock strings and put like some Ernie Ball on them or something because they sound fucking horrible. And I and I end up like underrating the guitars I play because they have shitty strings. And I try the amps and like all these people, I I don't know how many times these amps have been abused. I see like the I see it turned on, the valves running without the without the speaker. Yeah, connected. Uh, that ruins the head. The sure. Yeah. Yeah, you can't so do that. It's got to have a load. Up getting weakened out. And then I get a note. I ask, I ask for a cable because they hide the cables and stuff because people steal them. I get that. 
But then I asked the kid, I'm like, I need a cable. Oh, uh, you need a cable? Yeah, I need a cable. I want to check out, you know, I want to plug in here. And then he gives yeah, me okay like a stereo cord. There, amp, but, you know, no, he gives, he gives me a stereo cord. It's like, dude, I need a regular guitar cable, not a stereo cord. <laughs> like, they don't even know what the fuck they're doing, you know? It's like, it's just, it's a joke. Yeah. But as far as that goes, like, yeah, I can understand, like, you know, an amp, like, uh, we'll say, like, I never owned an orange amp. I find it kind of hard to maybe like through Sweetwater or order, you know, an orange, you know, 212 cabinet, you know, and, a, you know, a super reverb, you know, 50, whatever, rocker verb. It's like, uh, I really want to hear this before I buy it, you know? Yeah, I, I tried an orange amp. I wasn't really too impressed with it. Yeah. But that might be because they were floor models. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it is a totally different sound. What's really cool about it, like, and people don't realize it, though, orange amp cabinets they use wood that's like three times as thick as anything else. They're also like six inches deeper. So this cabinet is, if you buy a 412 orange cabinet, it's at least like 40 pounds heavier than a Marshall cabinet. And if you think you're going to fit that in your Honda Civic to a gig, that ain't <laughs> happening, dude. You're screwed. No, dude, I got a, um, I got a diesel cabinet. It's got uh, four uh, uh, 75s in it. But wow. the thing is like, it's made out of ebony wood. And the thing is like, massively heavy yeah it's like trying to lift an anvil yeah i can't i there's no way if i started playing out again there's no freaking way i'm lugging that shit around at my age no way yeah, it's got wheels on it i guess but. <laughs> it's got wheels you still gotta lift it up and out of the house and in the car and, <laughs> well, that's true. That's and true. you know you know the thing is not going to help you carry or load nothing <laughs> but if you're if you a lot of times um a lot of places will have house amps like when i went to see otep at revolution that was still open right. a lot of the bands were they had a, a marshall cabinet and people brought their own heads they just plugged their heads into the cabinet yeah but it's funny i just did an interview with abby k and um diego vargas a guitar player and i'm asking these kids like you know what their setups are their rigs you know and it's like they carry their stuff in their back pocket they got like these little like uh uh, the Sans Amp, like uh, M21 thing or whatever. It's 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 a little. Oh, I know what those. Yeah, it's like a thing the size of your phone, and they plug that. Yeah, and they like go right preamps. into the board, yep. and, and they're done. That's it. I'm like, wow. Back in my day, you had to lug shit. You know, like I used to lug refrigerators around. You know. Yeah, you actually can. You can actually can do that. I've seen uh, videos of George Lynch actually using his playing through an amp sim on his laptop. Yeah. Into uh, going direct to the speakers. That's if it. I can make it sound like that, I mean, that's what the guitarist from Opet, Otep did. He, right. He went direct. And it sounded great. Yeah. The only thing is that, you know, again, I always used to like on stage, you you got your ramp there, so you can at least stand by and hear yourself playing. If they're not putting you through the monitors, you know, properly, or you got some, you know, douchebag sound guy that don't like your, your face, you know what I'm saying? He's not putting you through the monitors. You're not going to hear what the hell you're doing. Or they won't know how to place the mic. They just, well, just leave it hanging. You know, there's no positioning or anything. Yeah. It's, it's just like hanging upside down against the speaker. Oh, man. So, Alpha. Um, yes. I want to play one of your songs. Um, you guys got a song, uh, I Come to Collect, right? That's correct. It's the second cut off of Al Hollows. What's the deal with that? What's what's the story behind that song? Any Anything well, interesting to tell us? Yeah. Um, well, you know, it, it's... The whole album is, you know, conceived around the Halloween season, and uh, I, I, at the last minute, we we realized we weren't going to be able to get Danny on some of these songs, and there was there were two songs in particular that I felt like we couldn't do without her. Okay. So I had to had to, you know, quickly put a couple songs together uh, for to round out the record, 
and uh, this was one of the the songs that that came of it. It's uh, it's a Grim Reaper song, and um, it, it it was weird. It was like I, I I need a song, so I just sat down, put my head down, and just started writing, and it came together very quickly. And uh, turns out it's it's one of the songs that people are responding to most strongly on the record. Um, and I think I think it came together in about a week. It was it was insanely quick. Very cool. All right, so we're going to listen right now. This is called I Come to Collect, and this is by Housemaid of Dawn. Let's listen to this.
and that was I Come to Collect by House Made of Dawn. Yeah, and I should mention the uh, intro, that kind of cool industrial uh, poem that you heard at the beginning of that one was supplied by uh, Ron Fitzgerald, Master Ron Fitzgerald, who is a stage illusionist out in Chicago, who I've known for years and years. He actually he actually guests uh, guest vocalizes on uh, a couple of the songs on the Hall Hollows records. Uh, he reads an Edgar Allan Poe poem oh, cool. on El on El Dorado, and uh, together he and I had been wanting for years to do an update of Monster Mash, and uh, we finally cool. were able to do it. We were finally able to do it on on this record, and uh, so yeah, he uh, he he's the mad scientist in Monster Mash on this record. Very cool. Yeah, I had uh, a friend of mine. Actually, we did some recording today in the studio, and a mutual friend was hanging out, and he's like, because the song we have coming out is going to be coming out for Halloween, all that type of crap, but he's like, you guys should redo Monster Mash as heavy metal. <laughs> I was like, that's a pretty cool idea, you know? You know, it has it has been done, but uh, we, again, like I said, Ron and I have been talking about doing this for, God, years, about decades even, and uh, we found that every every time we attempted it or heard somebody else attempt it it just came off wrong you know it all it came off as like a big joke or 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 too hard and we 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 worked very hard to try and come up with an approach that would uh be respectful of the original updated and yet still retain the kind of fun party atmosphere right 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 uh, of the original instead of just, you know, instead of just, you know, you know, dirtying it up, which is a, what a lot of bands have done. Right. Which is, that's the hard part. You know, you're trying to keep the original integrity of it. You want to put your own spin on it, you know, but mm -hmm. you know, you, it, it's like, a, it's a fine, it's, it's a, a fine line, like a balancing act you try to do. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And that's one of the things I appreciated about when, when David first sent his treatment of games without frontiers, uh, one of one of my worst fears was that it was going to sail very close to the original, sail very close to the wind, as one of my teachers used to like to say. And and I've been a very very uh, I've been very clear with every time I've heard a cover that I just don't see the point of doing a cover if you're just going to make it sound like the original, right? And you're um, just copying it. Yeah, I mean, and, and as like for example, I've always said, you know, one of the bands that does really really great covers is disturbed and you listen to their their version of the sound of silence right and it's it's remarkable it's really amazing but then you listen to their version of living after midnight and you, you're like why didn't they just bring rob halford into sing this it's <laughs> exactly. identical right i could have sort of said a club from like original. a local band you know yeah i mean it's it's it sounded identical it was good it was still living after midnight and with dave draymond singing but you know it was there it still sounded it still sounded identical to the original. And that's one of the things I liked about our, our approach to Lucretia and games without frontiers is David seems, you know, he has kind of the same philosophy um, that there's really no point in just doing a cover. That's just what was done before. Right. I try. I just don't know how to make it sound like the original. It just comes out. Like <laughs> to me, there's a difference. Like when you say a cover, that means you're, you know, a band at a bar doing Van Halen Unchained exactly how Van Halen did it. To me, a mm. remake is you're taking that old song and making it yours. You know yeah, what I'm saying? A uh, cover is just yeah. you're covering it. You're just redoing it. Yeah. yeah I guess, I guess that, you know, we can, you know, talk terminology. Right. But, uh, it all end up, ends up meaning kind of the same thing. Same thing, thing yeah. You know, you know, like, like, and, and sometimes when somebody redoes a song, 
I'll, I'll, I'll use your terminology. Like right. when, when, uh, I think his name was Gary Jules did the, did the remake of mad world okay. by, by tears for fears and did it as just kind of this mournful piano thing for the movie, Donnie Darko. Right. It, it brought a whole new level uh, to that song that right. I never suspected it would have had. Right. Um, and now, from what I understand, Tears for Fears performs it that way. Oh, <laughs> really? Like, that's hey, what that's I hear. I, I have, I've never seen Tears for Fears live, but that's what someone told yeah. me. I mean, it's like we did one of the first remakes I ever did was um, um, All Day and All Night by the Kinks. And mm. I basically got cool. heavy distorted guitar. I did it in drop D flat. And mm. I had a singer that was a screamer, you know, with that whole, rah, that fry voice. But otherwise, we did it just like the way the song goes, you know, the solo, everything. But you know, that, the case were that kind of band, but it was the 60s. I mean, it wasn't, it, they, they worked with what they had, but they were, they were like this, they started that whole riff rock thing. I mean, if they started today, I have no doubt that they would, they would sound like one of the bands, the modern metal bands today. Right. They, uh, I mean, they were ahead of their time. Like the rumor I heard that was like Dave Davies knifed his speaker he put a cut in it and that's what gave it that distorted you know sound that it was actually was a cut yeah, speaker that's, that that's what i heard they kicked a hole in the speaker that's yeah. how you got that distorted sound well and that's that's what makes that sound particularly interesting to me is because they were still in kind of the the you know i want to hold your hand beatles yes. era songwriting style but they were doing it with this really kind of grungy approach which was way way ahead of its time I mean, that's like something I want to, you, you had touched on before, Alpha, you were talking about, um, you know, when you did, um, I come to collect that you said it was something that you, not an afterthought, but you know, it's something you had to come up with, you know, another song. Um, so like you and like David, like, it's funny, like, did you guys ever come up with something that like, when you write the song, you're like, this is going to be fucking awesome, man. People are going to love this. And it really didn't go over too big. And then it's other stuff that you put out that you're like, I don't know about this song. And yet everybody likes it, you know? You know what? I don't, I, I don't think we put out that many songs yet. But, uh, to, but I'm saying even individually, like but, with your other projects or I, like House Made at Dawn, I'm sure you guys have something that you're like, wow, really? That did better than I thought. I try not to have expectations uh, as far as songs go. Um, because I, what I do is I put it out there. I, I don't know. I, before I put something out, that's why I generally don't ask for feedback on songs because I've, I'm kind of afraid. Like I may show it to somebody, someone may love it. Someone may not like it. If I show it to a person that may not like it, uh, usually I don't, or if I, I don't hear back, I'm like, it probably sucked. I should do something. I don't want to do anything that would doubt myself. Even if I think it sucks, I'll put it out anyway. You know, if you like it, listen to it. If you don't, you don't. And usually, I'm, usually they do pretty good. The one song that I thought was going to do awesome that really that that really fell on his face was uh, I did a, a long time ago. I did a cover of Pigs, three different kinds from Pink Floyd, which mm-hmm. is my absolute favorite Pink Floyd song. And I I, I made it kind of heavy, right? And I released it. It was crickets. Yeah. But then I, again, it's an eleven-minute song. Who's going to say that? <laughs> my experience, my experience is kind of the kind of the opposite, David. I go in with all kinds of expectations. Yeah, I do too. And and sometimes they sometimes they meet expectations, other times they don't. So uh, our most popular songs, uh, and it also depends on where. Our most popular songs on Spotify are not our most popular songs on Pandora, for example. Uh-huh. You know. Um, I, I we have a the very first song on the very first record. It's a song called "Burn This House Down," um, which I always expected would be very well received, right? And it was, 
But then there's another song on that same record called Vice Principal that I did because I love that song. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. I did that. I did that because I needed another song. And I had I was thinking about doing a grunge project. And I had this this music for this grunge project already there. I just dressed it up with some industrial, wrote some wrote some political lyrics over it put it out and people love that effing song and i i'm just like how does this happen but you know it happens to everyone i know uh when rob zombie was making hillbilly deluxe right uh they they realized they needed one more song so they very 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 quickly like within three days wrote and produced uh a song that so just to put on as an album track that thing was dragula yeah you know, and that's his biggest effing song. Yeah. But see, know? that's why, like, I tell all the bands, like, again, naturally, you know, if it wasn't recorded right and you're making mistakes, you know, you're not going to put that out. But there's, there's mm-hmm. songs like, again, like we as musicians, you write the song, you rehearse it, you record it, you mix it, you listen to it 50, 60, 70, 80 times. By the time you're ready to put out, sometimes you're like, it has staying power, and you're like, this is really good. I like this. Or by the time you're ready mm-hmm. to put it out, you're like, I'm sick of this fucking song. Yeah. No yeah. matter what, though, put it out. You know? Yeah. Because again, it's subjective. Maybe you didn't like it you too much, know. but everybody digs it. They like it. So put it out. And if you do I put don't... it out and it's a flop, you'll put out something else in another month. Don't worry about yeah. it. I don't remember the name of the band, but um, I remember hearing the, the story uh about about you know that song uh na na hey hey kiss him goodbye yeah yeah they 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 released that as a b-side to the single that they were putting out that they really believed in they they worked and worked it worked it worked it and then they said well we got to fart something out for the b-side of the single so they just they just messed around in the studio and came up with na na hey hey kiss him goodbye and nobody listened to the a-side of that single you know, everybody listened to the beast. I wish I could remember the name of that band. And especially but, uh, like, again, it's not like, um, you know, you're on the contract, you know, and the record company, because it's a flop now, they're going to drop you. That's but with, uh-huh. Come on, of course you're nothing. You put it out. It's no big yeah. deal. Yep. <laughs> now, if you start putting out, you know, something that's a flop, something that's a flop, something that's a flop, you know, three, four, five times in a row, yeah, you might start losing listeners, but most likely that's not going to happen because everybody likes something. It's like, you know, I don't like Rush. You love Rush. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's somebody's going to dig it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I dig it. Although I don't dig Rush. Yeah. No, I don't either. <laughs> and I catch a lot of heat for that. But it's like, how could you say that? They are the most is, technically yeah. proficient. Yeah, they are. But it, don't bore me. Okay. It's like, I've had this, yeah. I might have had this discussion with David. Yingui Malmsteen is an incredible guitar player. He fucking mm-hmm. bores the shit out of me. I don't want to listen to that. Yeah. He's, he's, I'm done with him after like three songs. I don't yeah, hear. Yeah. Thank you. No, I'm, the I'm same not interested. Way, I, I totally hear you. I'm totally the same way with Steve Vai. Absolute virtuoso. Yeah. Can't can't write himself out of a wet paper bag. I yeah. swear. You know what? Dude, come on. Steve Vai is absolutely fun to see live. He's a, he puts on a great live show, but I can't sit through any of his records. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Things. It's like I uh, for years, you know, you get on these tangents, like I'll I may get into like, you know, like I love Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know, I'll get into that type of stuff, but I always come back to heavy metal because I'm a heavy metal guy. And then, mm-hmm. like back in the day, you know, I got into Joe Satriani, like for like his first album. It was like, wow, this guy's really cool. It's nice music, you know. But after that, it's like, you know what, dude, just stop. It's like it to me, you're just showing off. 
I look yeah. at these YouTube videos of these guys that they play guitar like I can never even hope to play. I get it. They're way better than me, but I don't give a fuck. You're boring. When you yeah. sit there and I, all you do is, dude, get lost. <laughs> you're just showing off. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's yeah. like come on. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why you get you really appreciate a guy like Eddie Van Halen, who who was a technical wizard on the guitar, but I could actually write a good song. Too. Yes, yeah, and 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 knew when at least most of the time to let his guitar playing serve the song and right. the other way around. Another guy like that, another absolutely incredible technical guitar player, was actually Prince. And yeah, he, but you know, I was never into him, and everybody says that. It's like, man, I should go back and listen to some of his music. Yeah. He, but he never showed off. That was the difference. He, and he would only, when he would solo with other people, then he would really, really cut loose. There's a video of him uh, soloing on while my guitar gently weeps, which is absolutely incredible. And, uh, but he was, he was a songwriter first and foremost and knew that, that the guitar playing had to serve the song and not the other way around. Right. I mean, one of my all time favorite guitar plays, I mean, Garris the soul. I met him in person. He was such a gentleman. I'm a huge Dimebag Daryl fan, and mm, yeah, nobody could incredible. fucking work that whammy bar and fucking do solos like him. But the guy wrote incredible riffs and incredible songs, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, he knew when to he knew when to add riffs into songs. He, he just wasn't noodling all the time. Right. But before Van Halen, what impressed me most about Eddie Van Halen is like he would play, he, he would whip into this like frenzied solo, and then he'd fall back into the rhythm, like yeah, like he didn't miss a beat, which was. I mean, Incredible. you know what? I was, again, I, I'll tell you guys honestly too, in front of everybody, I was never a huge Van Halen fan. Uh, you know, as the group, the band. I mean, I like maybe a handful of songs. Five songs, I think, are awesome. I appreciated Van Halen. He was incredible. But as a whole, I wasn't really into Van Halen. But when you watch, like, you watch, we'll say, like, Unchained, I mean, these chords he's playing and the way he did the program, I mean, it's just, it's brilliant. It really is. Yeah, I I I never was crazy about them as a band. I never I never had any of David Lee Roth I can't stand. So go ahead. I yeah, there's that. But uh, you know, my my guitar players were always more the 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 guys who could play fast but would only uncork it when it mattered. Right. You know, my favorite my favorite guitar players were Angus Young and David Gilmore. Oh yeah, you know? sure. Yes, though Angus Young was probably one of the best one well, was actually definitely one of my favorite guitar players cuz he, yeah. it's, it's like what Dave. I think Dave Mustaine said something. He says like, "You, it doesn't. You can play a thousand notes and say nothing, but you could just play one note and say all that there is need to all, say all that there needs to be said." I, I'm paraphrasing him when he was speaking of David right, Gilmore. Right, right. He says, "David Gilmore uh, says more playing one note than most guitarists do with a thousand. Yeah. One of the most incredible experiences in live music I've ever had was I saw David Gilmore, I was in, I was in uh, middle school. I saw David Gilmore on his About Face tour. He only did pink, three Pink Floyd songs, the whole set. He, the rest was all his kind of crappy solo stuff. But uh, he- uh, I have such a way with words, I love it. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's crappy solo as, stuff. as his encore, he played Comfortably Numb. Cool. Dude, I, I was in the second row. And I was watching the man play. And that first solo in Comfortably Numb, the, the major key solo, is is almost religious for me. It's just, it's like it's like the solo that I point to. That's the kind of guitar player I want to be. And uh, I'm, I'm sitting there just watching the man play that solo. I, I was like in eighth grade and I was almost in tears. You talk about like religious, like who gets me all the time again. Well, again, like I love Stevie Ray Vaughan and mm -hmm. Jimi Hendrix. Dude, that man mm. played with soul. I mean, 
these other guitar players, all this technical proficiency, and you know, it's the B flat seventh minor suspended. Get the yeah. fuck out of here. That guy just like played with his heart and soul. And when you listen to his bluesy stuff, I'm not talking about the popular stuff like um um Red House, you know, mm. and stuff like that. It's like you listen to these solos, it's like, oh man, if you're not getting the chills, like you you know, you you're not alive, yeah. you know. And and everybody kind of focuses on the technical stuff that Hendrix innovated, the studio stuff that he innovated. Um, and he was he was an incredible musical mind and uh, just a terrific, terrific guitar player. What Jimi Hendrix did, they when he played Are You Experience, you hear that backward masking. He, he was a master in the studio, too. What he would do is he would take the tape and turn the tape upside down. And yeah. play, he'd play a solo perfectly backwards. Yep. Flip the tape upside down and replay it, and it would come out perfect. Yeah, that's what kind of a genius. I, I love if you listen carefully too. He would play some wrong notes and just bend it till it became the right note. Because he was very big on like. <laughs> that's what I do. He was very <laughs> big. Right? Push it. That's, that's what I say I'm doing. <laughs> but he would do that, you know. It's like he was big on. You know, don't play with your mind, you know, play with your soul and just mm -hmm. let it happen. And I think a lot of his solos were just like ad lib, like especially a lot of blue stuff. And you would hear it. He'd hit that sour note at first, mm -hmm. and then just bend it in. And it's like, oh, man, mm -hmm. it's so There's sweet. There's a lot of truth to it. Yeah, David, David Gilmore is famous for like going into the studio and just spending hours playing, playing solos and then editing it together right. and writing it that way, then learning it that way. Whereas a guy like Stevie Ray Vaughan, who is another guitar player that I absolutely love, yeah. he would just throw down his solos one take. Yeah. And it would be incredible when he played on Let's, Let's Dance before he became, you know, his own solo thing. Right. When he played on Let's, Let's Dance, he, he blew David Bowie's mind. He said, he was like, okay, do you want another take? And he was like, no, that's <laughs> yeah. the solo. No, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. Well, Miles, if, I, if I bring up Miles Davis, what he would do is he would have a studio uh, full of musicians. He'd lay the sheet music down, play it once done. It's like however it came out is how it came out, and that's what he was putting that's on the it. record. I'm out Crazy. <laughs> if you look, go on YouTube and hit up um, hit up Stevie Ray Vaughan scuttle button um, um, sound check. He comes walking on the stage. The band is like warming up. And he's wearing like this leopard skin coat, you know, and his fucking cool cowboy hat and shit. And mm -hmm. dude, he just starts ripping out the song Scuttle Button. You want to watch fingering and playing. It's like, and then afterwards, he just like, you know, he like wipes his nose, puts his guitar down and walks away. He's like, all right, I'm sound checked. I'm done. It was yeah, when, when I was incredible. In, when I was in college, there were two days in the four years that I was in music school in college that were dark, dark, dark days. Those are the days that when Stevie Ray Vaughan died and then right. when Freddie Mercury died. Oh, that was, yeah. uh, those were, those were dark days, especially since, uh, when, when, um, Stevie Ray Vaughan's helicopter had gone down, he had just finished playing a show at Alpine Valley in Chicago. And, uh, he was flying his helicopter to his hotel, which was right near where buddy guys blues bar was which was which was right down the street from where i went to school oh wow and, yeah a bunch of guys i knew were gonna go there and see if they could you know hear him play that yeah. night and he never showed up and nobody knew why so oh man yeah. that was hard and just incredible I, you know how it's funny though it's like it's a shame to say but like what really gets me mad is when these guys die from like drugs or alcohol like 
you know, like Bonzo, you know, from right. Led Zeppelin, you know, choking on his vomit from, come on, mm -hmm. man, really? Uh, that guy was a lunatic, uh, both on stage and off. A Bonzo? Yeah, yeah no. John, yeah. Yeah. John Bonham was a nut, yeah. So was Keith Moon. Keith Moon was one crazy son of a bitch. Yeah, and Bon Scott. Bon yeah. Scott oh, yeah, Bon Scott. Scott. Yeah. And I'm sorry, like, I may take heat for this. I love Brian Johnson, but Bon Scott is ACDC, if you ask me. And it's because bon, bon, Scott. Scott, bon Scott was able to convey the kind of tongue-in-cheek humor that ACDC always brought to their stuff. Right. More so than Brian Johnson ever right. was. He's and wearing again, a Brian dress Johnson, and a serious. wig. Brian Johnson, just I don't think he's that serious. He just sounds serious. His delivery sounds very it's darker. Yeah, yeah, it's a darker, it's a darker delivery. Von Scott always knew you knew he was in on the joke all yeah, the time. Exactly. I, I'm cool, with Brian Johnson. Just don't put Axl Rose in there. <laughs> yeah, what the hell was that? <laughs> that was like, I'm not going to an ACDC concert to see fucking. Axel Rose singing. It's like a bad dream. <laughs> you know, honestly, I got to say, ACDC has been one of my favorite bands for decades, but for me, it was almost, I think they they were done when Malcolm died, honestly, because he, yeah. he was their songwriter. He's the guy who wrote every song you love by ACDC. And it's funny. I never knew that for years. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, yeah, it, that, was a, that was a bad loss, but apparently he was gone mentally before yeah. Before he actually died, he had Alzheimer's or something. Um, yeah, and he went very, very quickly. But ever since then, their new material just doesn't have that life. It doesn't have the yeah. life that uh, that Malcolm brought to it. Yeah, you need that little guy on the stage holding a guitar bigger than he is. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, let's get back on track here. Um, how do people like um, Alpha for you, like House Made of Dawn, um, like, how could people find you? Are you on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff or what? We are on all that stuff. Uh, the Twitter handle uh, is HMOD, just at HMODON. Uh, sorry, HMODON, not HMOD. Uh, on uh, Instagram, it's just the full band name, House Made of Don, in all one word. And on on Facebook, I believe it's it's HMODON again. Uh is is the handle there and that's really where we are social media wise we have a cool cool pinterest page uh with a ton of like dark art and uh some some cool funny stuff on there and, that, and that's just house made of dawn as well um but you know beyond that you know we're we're not hard to find you know this we're we're plugging away on Spotify and Pandora and all the the other places that we we all are trying to get ears in front of. I always tell people just just go on Google and hit up you know Honeybone Rush, and you'll see mm -hmm. you know four pages of of whatever you're looking for you know and you can find it. Yeah. So let me make sure well, you guys. Yeah, are Good. Unfortunately, unfortunately, if you Google House Made of Dawn, there's actually a Pulitzer Prize winning novel called House Made of Dawn. Oh. So a lot of the time and it's it's a Native American novel and there's a lot of like Native American New Age artists that have put out albums called House Made of Dawn. Oh, so you, you're sharing a, a, you're sharing that name with a lot yeah. of people and unfortunately, yes. And you know, I we came up with the name before I had even re read the book. Okay. Um, so yeah, these things happen. But uh Hey, I'm yeah. in a worse position. If you if you type in Ninth Revival, you get Eminem because you put out the revival album. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so let me ask you guys a question though. Do you think it's worth it to actually have a website with all of this social media and all these ways for is there really a need for a website, you think? 
it has its purposes. Uh, I've been I, I've been doing without one for a while, but I think it probably would be a good idea to have it, just so there's like a one central place where people can get to your other stuff. I got yeah. a half ass free one, you know. You know, Bliss and I have gone back and forth about whether or not to to put one up. Part of part of us thinks it's a good idea. Other then it's always like, well, that would be a lot of work. But I mean, we do have we still have some boxes of physical media uh, from the first two albums when we put out CDs, and you oh, know you okay. can't really sell those very very easily on on social media. So well, on Bandcamp, go on yeah. Bandcamp. Are you on Bandcamp or no, Alpha? I don't think so. I well, don't. Think I got so. news for. You. I stayed away from it for a while because I thought it was kind of like I don't know juvenile. I didn't know, and then I looked into it and I joined it like maybe ten months ago, and I made a couple of hundred dollars off of it already. So oh, it's, cool. it's pretty good, and you could sell merchandise too. Yeah, we just started getting into the whole merch thing too, and uh, we're having some fun with that. So, right. so yeah, maybe maybe that's in the offing as well. I'll uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to let everybody know once we're on Pan Camp. Yeah. So, David, what about you? How can everybody find you at your many projects? Um, I, if you just go to Ninth Revival, I pretty much, um, I'm, if you go to, it, it's all just one word, Ninth Revival on Twitter, Ninth Revival on Bandcamp, Ninth Revival on, uh, it's all just one word on um, Twitter that I mentioned, Instagram, I'm on Instagram, okay. uh, Facebook. Uh, that, that's pretty much it. I, I've I've been slacking on the merch thing. I, I just haven't figured out exactly what I'm going to do, but it's actually a really good idea to do merch, not just to make money, but just to promote your, your band. If you, I, if, if you have a, if you want people to pre-save, what you can do is you could have them uh, pre-save and you'll just um, shift stuff out to them for free, you know, for postage only, you know, give them like a promotional package. They'll be like, wow, this guy's awesome. He sent us all this signed stuff. Yeah, you know they'll they'll be they'll become your fans because you've reached out to them. Right. Yeah. Totally. That's a good way to. Totally. And you're yeah, not I, you're not on Instagram. You're not on is uh, David HK yourself. You used to be on Twitter, didn't you? Have a Twitter page, David HK, or no? It's just Ninth I used, Revival. No, I changed it. I just changed it to Ninth Revival. You did okay. Um, yeah. I go but crazy I, I trying have, to trying to tag you, and it's like I was like I thought he had a page, so I, I just do now David HK of Ninth Revival. You know, at Ninth Revival. Yeah, yeah. just do yeah, just do at ninth revival. Um, I took I, I pretty much started using because I've already built um, a following with that particular account, so I didn't want to reinvent the wheel, so I just threw ninth revival in there. Yeah, Grimco is uh, is on Twitter. What's our yeah. handle on Twitter? I can't remember. Is it just Grimco Band? Grimco Band. Yep, just one yes. word. And same and that, thing on same thing on Instagram. Instagram. Uh, I think on Bandcamp as well. We we do have a Bandcamp page, believe it or not. I do, I do. I have to, I have to uh, update that. Yeah, and and Bliss has her own Twitter uh, account, and it's actually where we got the name Grimcrow. Her uh, her handle on uh, on Twitter is Grimcrow Eleven at okay. Grimcrow Eleven, and you can find her. And that's where that we were trying to figure out if we were going to release as Ninth Revival and Housemate of Dawn collaborative or or a new band. And both David and, and Bliss were keen on being a new band. David David wrote to us and says, "Hey, I kind of like the name Grimcrow." Like, okay. it, it becomes a new entity. One one thing I would say is that when I create when when I come together and, and a new band forms, I don't see Grimcrow as Ninth Revival 
and House of Made of Dawn, mm-hmm. it's a completely different band. Right. Same yeah. thing with Robot Gods. I don't see that as Ukrainian and Ninth Revival. I see that as Robot Gods. I certainly, I certainly see it that way now. But you know, at the time, we didn't know where this thing was going to go. At the very beginning, I let people know, like you know, who's who's who in the band. But yeah. as time goes on and we start developing our own sound collectively, that's mm-hmm. when that's when I, I stop, you know, tying old associations with it, and it's just that band. Right. Yeah. Right. Totally. Well, guys, listen, um, I'm so glad that I was able to introduce you to (laughs) 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 to actually speak in real time and live. Um, I had a blast. I hope you guys had a good time. Um, Absolutely. So newest thing coming out, we got Sportified is coming out soon, right? And and guys, listen, I just want to thank you so much. Alpha, so nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you too, Spike. Yeah. and uh, Nice to meet you, Alpha. Nice to meet you too, David. <laughs> I feel like we should all be wearing name tags. Hello, my name is Spike. <laughs> like one of those like corporate fucking uh, retreats, you know? Yeah, we'll we'll save that for the uh, indie underworld convention. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, there you go. That's a good idea. <laughs> good idea. So, guys, listen, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. This has been backstage with Spike, episode thirty-nine. Uh, I'm just so thrilled. I'm up to episode thirty-nine. I thought, I thought these people going to be sending me hate mail by episode two and tell me to shut the fuck up. I can't believe up to 39. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I'd be so jealous. I'd, I'd love to get a bunch of hate mail because then I could read them online. <laughs> those are, I, I watch those videos. They're entertaining. They which, really are. Which ones? Um, it's just like a lot of people, whether they're musicians or other kind of content providers, you know, right. people give people give a bunch of nasty comments. Oh, yeah. I think like... Uh, I, like uh, one time, I think uh, they gave Meds had had a heckler on one of his posts, and I was telling him like, you know, I, I would love for the time when I, I can get a whole bunch of these hate comments, and then what I would do is I'd write a song made of all the hate comments. There you oh, go. That would, that's what people do. You know what I'm that's- finally starting to get, and it's like it's funny, I guess, because I'm you know I'm up to I don't know like almost four thousand followers on Twitter. I'm starting to get the weirdos and the wackadoodles now. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, like, I get those. They ask you of things. It's like, what? You know, it's like, you got to be kidding me. I was like, all right, I guess that's what happens when you start getting a little more popular. They start, you know, they start coming out of the woodwork and finding you. Yeah, that, that can be entertaining, I suppose. <laughs> it's entertaining and scary, too, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you soon. Thanks for having us on. You got Thanks it. for having us on, Spike. No problem. Hey, i got to do it again. David knows, now that i got your phone number, uh, you may get a phone call uh, at 3 you, o'clock in the morning like to be may, on the yeah, show. I'm just saying, you may want to shut your phone off. <laughs> <laughs> you really need to sleep. <laughs> all right david, uh, david, 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 david goes i'm up all night i'm a night bird meanwhile i'm trying to call him it's like one o'clock in the morning which ain't too bad he's like he was asleep i'm like come on man me and trey uh, from uh trey from uh counting your dead um and sincere we're, we're, we're doing a show we're getting freaking drunk he's smoking bowls i'm drinking beer and we start calling everybody at like one o'clock in the morning <laughs> Uh, keep in, keep in mind the three hour difference here. Yeah, no, I know, but believe me, we go to four or five in the morning our time, which is like you know one in the morning your time. Yeah, that's about when I go to bed. There you go. All right, guys, thank you everybody so much. Be kind to one another out there. Be tolerant. Peace. Yeah.